Hey friends, welcome to the Taking Your Next Step podcast from Collegians for Christ. Through each episode, we will journey together focusing on becoming better followers of Jesus. If you are eager, like I am, to follow Jesus Christ, then take your next step now by joining us in today's episode. So we're continuing to look and talk through really these questions uh, on the issue of abortion. We've talked about in our previous episode about rape and incest. Uh, shouldn't abortion be allowed in those cases? We talked through that. Uh, we talked about doesn't a woman have a right to her own body, my body, my choice? Uh, if you need to grab those two questions, uh, just roll back one uh, episode. We're going to move forward now and continue answering the questions on uh, t- uh, Tuesday's episode today and also on Thursdays. Uh, this next question is this. Doesn't the Bible justify abortion? since it is silent on abortion or it doesn't mention abortion. So yes, the word abortion is not used in the Bible. But does silence mean the Bible condones abortion? We've got to think about that. So just because it's silent, it doesn't say anything, thou shall not abort, uh, it doesn't use the word abortion, does that mean then that it condones it? Let me ask you a couple questions here, and you can ask someone else these same questions. The Bible is also silent on people doing drive-by shootings. Does this mean the Bible condones drive-by shootings? Well, no. The Bible is also silent on using bombs to kill large crowds. These are all issues that go on currently today. Does that mean the Bible condones terrorist bombings? Well, no, absolutely not. I mean, that's wrong. It doesn't follow then that just because the Bible is silent on the word abortion that it condones it. You see, the Bible is also silent on the on using the internet to hack into someone else's account to steal their identity and all their money. So how do we know is wrong that you're not supposed to drive by and shoot people? The Bible tells us thou shall not kill. How do we know we should not use bombs to kill people in large crowds? The Bible says thou shall not kill, thou shall not hate. You're supposed to love. How do we know we're not supposed to hack into people's accounts and steal their identity? It's inferred when the Bible says this, thou shalt not steal. So the Bible is very clear and vocal about life and about murder. Its stance on abortion is inferred when the Bible says thou shalt not kill. That's where we know what the Bible says because abortion is taking the life of the unborn. So doesn't the Bible justify abortion just because it's silent? Absolutely not. Uh, Number four here, you shouldn't push your beliefs on other women. You hear people say, well, you just shouldn't push your beliefs. You religious people, you Christians, don't push your beliefs on other people. It's interesting when they say that because I hope you I hope you catch what they are doing. Anyone who says this to you is doing the exact same thing they're telling you not to do. And this stems from the relativism that's all <laughs> that permeates our culture. So they're telling you not to push your beliefs on somebody else by telling you their beliefs not to push your beliefs on somebody else. So you can always ask them, why not? What do you mean? Aren't you forcing your beliefs on me? You see, when you say that, they will be forced to realize that they're forcing their beliefs on you, the exact same thing they're telling you not to do. So it's not that we're trying to push our beliefs on other women. We all have beliefs, and we all have the freedom in America to state what those beliefs are. Uh, Everybody has beliefs. It's not like we have beliefs and they don't, and we're trying to push ours on them. Everybody possesses beliefs. Everybody has a worldview, and so everybody's coming from a perspective, and everybody holds a perspective on truth. And so when somebody asks you that or tells you that, ask them, why not? Or aren't you forcing your beliefs on me? And many times it'll throw them off because they really don't even realize they're doing the exact same thing they're telling you not to do. Number five is this. The Supreme Court decision is setting women back. 
So this is meant not as a legitimate question, but rather as really an accusation to the pro-lifers look, to make the pro-lifers look like they're not with the times or that we are old-fashioned. And so they're basically saying, look, the Supreme Court decision that happened here a month ago where it re- reversed the Roe versus Wade, you're just setting women back Setting back women, and we need to clarify. Remember our questions, what do you mean by that? How did you come to that conclusion? Uh, have you considered, then you, then you state a truth or ask a question stating a truth? Uh, you want to clarify, what do you mean? What do you mean by setting women back? Back to what or back to when? And then see what they say. Are you saying we're setting women back to the medieval ages? Are you saying we're setting women back to the 1700s, 1800s? What do you mean by setting women back? And many times they're going to try to say, well, you're taking their freedoms, you're taking their rights. Well, in all reality, the only thing the Supreme Court did was to declare correctly that abortion is not a constitutional right. The Constitution does not give the right to abortion. It's not there. So really, the reality here is rather than setting women back, The Supreme Court places the decision back into the hands of the people, also known as women, on a state level. So women who have the right to vote, if I remember correctly, out of the nine justices on the Supreme Court, three of them are women, two or three are women, the rest are men, so roughly six to three. So essentially, rather than letting men make the decision for the women, now essentially, because of the decision with the Supreme Court, women can make the decision for themselves. It is not setting women back. Women have uh, come very far. And I see the accusation that's there. We're trying to take the rights. And women have the right to vote. The women have the right to work. The women have the same rights as men in America. And so when it comes to this idea of the decision of the Supreme Court, no, it actually puts the decision back into the hands of the women. So think about that. Help somebody think through that. So rather than setting women back, the Supreme Court places the decision back in the hands of the people, women, on that state level who can vote it back in. So distinguish or get rid of this idea that we're setting women back, that you're old-fashioned. Number six here, what about embryonic stem cell research? What is our answer to that? Well, shouldn't we allow, basically what they're asking here, shouldn't we allow the use of embryos, even if it means killing the child to save the life of another? And so when we're talking about embryonic stem cell research, we're talking about embryos that uh, at pregnancy centers that may be left over or not used. Um, they want to go in and take the stem cell, and the benefit of stem cells is they can help produce organs, they can help cure diseases and so forth. And so they would like to use these so-called unusable embryos. But remember, what is an embryo? We have to go back, and we've established that at life begins at conception, when the 23 and 23 chromosomes come together, you have the zygote, and its first 8 to 10 weeks is considered an embryo, not a fetus. And we've established that right there, life is there. Even week 4, the heart begins to beat and so forth. And so because life begins at conception, you have in an embryo a distinct living whole human being. And so, yes, they may possess these stem cells, uh, but the big issue here, really, if, if we're looking at it, is they use stem cells from adults. And the stem cells from adults have cured upwards of close to 75 different diseases or been very beneficial. On the other hand, the stem cells from embryos have not been able to produce one cure to date. Uh, you heard me correctly. When we use adult stem cells, they have had upwards to close to 75 cures or benefits to diseases. 
through the use of embryos, there have been none. So why on earth are we going to use, continue using and continue destroying these embryos? Because when you take the stem cell out, it destroys it. It kills the embryo. And the argument is, well, don't you want to use this to help others? Don't you want to help others? I mean, aren't you cold-hearted that you wouldn't use an embryo that is useless? And that's the, the mentality. That's the, the worldview, the way they, they view it. You wouldn't want to use uh, this embryo, all these extra embryos to help children and to help adults and to help cure diseases? Aren't you just so cold-hearted? No, absolutely we're not. The problem is that the embryo is a distinct, living, whole human being. And so using their stem cells or doing embryonic stem cell research is the killing of the unborn. You say, well, what do they need to do with the extra uh, embryos? They need adoptive parents, Right. I mean, what about all the frozen ones they need to wait for adoptive parents? Why? Because it's a distinct, living, whole human being. God has already ordained, Jeremiah 1.5, I knew you before you were in the womb. I, so that person already has a name. They have an eye color. They have a hair color. God has a purpose for them. Unless man is going to prohibit its ability to come into life by murder, by killing it. Here's another question. We have two more, so we'll probably be able to finish these up on today's episode rather than going all the way into Thursday. Number seven is this. Until pro-lifers are ready to help each pregnant woman, they need to shut up. It's interesting that they say that because there are many options and resources available. Did you know that pregnancy centers outnumber abortion clinics three to one? I recently heard a senator, female senator, who was saying we need to close down all the pregnancy centers. She was very emotional, very angry. We just need to close them all down. You're thinking, why on earth would you want to close down pregnancy centers when they're helping women? But she says they're deceiving women into thinking they're going to be able to receive an abortion, and that's not what they're providing. You just see how their thinking goes. Their thinking is so far off. Uh, but the pregnancy centers, it shows until pro-lifes are ready to do something, to shut up, no, we're doing plenty. The, to even show that there are more pregnancy centers to, to abortion clinics shows we're doing more as a pro-lifer than you are as a pro-choice or pro-abortion. And there's tons of Christian and uh, plenty of adoption agencies uh, that are helping to, uh, to allow women to choose life rather than abortion. They don't want to go there. Maybe they feel they can't take care of the child for whatever the reasons are. Even if they're the same reasons, top five reasons they give for abortion, they want to allow that child to live. They choose life. There's Christian children's homes. There's foster care and other, other avenues. The last one is this. If the embryo who doesn't have a brain yet is so valuable it cannot be killed by abortion, how do you justify pulling the plug on brain-dead individuals? So here's another emotional plea, uh, and we want to think through it real quick here. So embryos function as a living organism, first and foremost. They are a distinct living whole human being, while a brain-dead person is not. It does not function as a living organism. Life support merely keeps the body from decomposing. It cannot live on its own while an embryo can. That's the difference. If we even thought or knew that the brain-dead person would awaken in six months, we would never pull the plug. Let me ask you then, why then pull the plug on the embryo or the unborn baby who will awaken in nine months? So as we think through all these questions, I pray and hope that they've been a help to you to think through them, for you to have the just a basis, some knowledge to be able to talk to people and to engage in conversation. We must remember that we cannot remain neutral on this moral issue because according to Jesus, being neutral is neglect and scripture is very clear. 
that God values life. Every life is made in the image of God. And so you and I need to know what we believe while we believe it. We need to be very pro, uh, pro-life, pro yes, but also proactive. And you and I are responsible. We are who God uses as ambassadors here on this earth to share the truth with others. And right now, this is our opportunity. It's not that we need to get tired of hearing about it because we've heard so much about it in media. Now is the time for you to speak up. Now is the time for you to answer the questions. Now is the time for me and you to move forward and to reveal the truth about life and about abortion and seize the moment that's at hand. Thank you for taking the time to listen. If this podcast has been helpful to you, please share it with a friend or subscribe to stay up to date on the latest episodes. You can connect with Collegians for Christ online for more information and resources at cfccampusministry.com.